1: What's going on? Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We made it. Pelican season in the books after yesterday. I'm Daniel Sanderson filling in for Sean Kelly. Hope this Thursday finds you well. Of course, a little rainy here in the Crescent City. It's been rainy all week, but still glad to have you part of our show today. we got a good show for you as we're going to kind of wrap up the season, put a bow on it with Jim offer from Pelicans.com. We'll also start our NFL draft preview today. And what a day to do so. With the NFL announcing a trade today between the Titans and the Rams, as the Titans did have the number one pick. Now that goes to the Rams. The LA Rams get the number one pick and the fourth and sixth round pick in the 2016 draft. The Titans get a lot. 15th overall pick this year, two second rounds, and a third round in this year's draft, and then a first and a third in next year. So really good move for both teams. Let's see what the Rams do. Everyone's talking about a quarterback for the Rams. Titans now have a little bit more leverage. And since we were supposed to talk Titans today, we're still going to talk Titans, even though the Rams now have the number one pick. We'll be joined by Jim Wyatt, senior writer and editor for TitansOnline.com. He'll talk about the trade, how this impacts their team, and what they might look for at pick number 15. So we'll start our NFL draft preview today, then we'll start doubling up a little bit tomorrow. We'll hear from the Browns and the Chargers, picks number two and three, and go from there until our hiatus on may 2nd also happy nfl schedule release day i know a lot of people look forward to this day especially with a preseason schedule being announced as far as opponents and i know a lot of every team knows their opponents for the first for the season but it's still kind of cool to see when teams play monday night football thursday night football sunday night football thanksgiving all that stuff so uh that will be at seven o'clock central the this um schedule will be released and of course look out for that on neworleansaints.com and the saints mobile app Plenty of coverage there, and then we'll also talk to J.D. tomorrow, John DeShazer, about it as well. Also, big night in the NBA, Kobe Bryant's last game, and boy, he went out on top. 60 points on 50 shots. I'm going to talk to Jim Eikonoffer about that as far as did that kind of hurt his last game, and you can probably say stop being so negative, Daniel. And I'm not. I really enjoyed it. It was pretty cool, 60 points, but I was also a little bitter because Anthony Davis, Uh, Originally had the most points in a game this season at 59, and now Kobe has it with 60. Nonetheless, uh, a really cool moment there at the Staples Center yesterday. And also, the Warriors getting the uh, streak, or I should say streak, the record. 73 wins in a season. Pretty unbelievable, and they did it um, in big fashion over the Memphis Grizzlies. Steph Curry, 403-pointers. It was a great night around the NBA. Celtics coming back and beating the Heat, allowing just five points in the third quarter. And now everything's set. Western Conference and Eastern Conference playoffs are ready to go. And we look forward to that starting on Saturday. Oh, by the way, with the Kobe thing, you know, Kobe's last visit to the Crescent City was on Saturday. There's a really cool video on uh, Facebook and Pelicans.com. It's a panoramic 360 kind of view of Kobe coming out for the last time in the Big Easy. So make sure you check that out. Um, It's all over Pelicans.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that cool stuff. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, we'll hear from Alvin Gentry on the Alvin Gentry Show tonight. I'll have more details on that in our fourth segment, but also he'll have a press conference at 11 o'clock this morning, and you can hear that or watch it on Pelicans.com in the Pelicans mobile app. All right, we have a lot to get to, so we'll take a break. We'll go Jim Eichenhoff for next, and then Jim Wyatt in our third segment. Stay with us on a Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report.
2: Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us. Here to build a future with you.
0: New Orleans, 2016. One night. One band. New Orleans, they're back. Guns and Roses, live for one night only. July 31st, Mercedes Benz Superdome. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Buy tickets at livenation.com. Josh Groban. On stage, Friday, July 15th at Bold Sphere Music at Champion Square, featuring songs from his new album Stages as well as his classic hits with very special guest, Sarah McLaughlin. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. We're talking Pelicans basketball. On the Black and Blue Report.
1: All right, time to talk some Pelicans here on a Thursday. Normally, we get Jim Ikinoff from Pelicans.com on Tuesday. Due to all the um, things going on with the Saints and the Pelicans, we changed it up. It's still TGIT though, but it's Thursday, and Jim joins me now in studio, fresh off the season finale last night in Minnesota. Jim, good to have you on, my friend.
3: It's great to be here. It was a late night last night. Not a lot of fun with the way the game went. But I'm happy to be back here in the studio. There's a few things that would have could have gotten me out of bed so early today after getting in so late last night, but this is this happens to be one of them. I'm very touched, Jim that you said that um <laughs> it was a weird
1: first of all, how good or bad does it feel that these seasons over? Has it kind of sunk in
3: yet that we're done? I don't think it has for me yet because I mean literally we got here I think I. Got home at like two or two thirty last night. Uh, woke up relatively early this morning, so like I haven't had time to really process anything. Um, so it, it doesn't. I I feel like uh, it'll probably hit me on the weekend when Saturday comes and for the first time in months and months, there's no practice or game to go to. You have a Saturday to enjoy. Exactly, Very exactly. Nice. I'd rather be in the playoffs though. I know, but, me but but um, you know, that's how it goes. That would be weird. Um, that's for sure.
1: You were so good with your words on Pelicans.com, writing them. Now I'm going to try to test you with your speaking ability as far as how would you describe the 2015-16 Pelican season.
3: Well, you know, first of all, before I get into this, I wanted to say, I do think, not to be a shill here, but I do think people should listen to yesterday's Black and Blue Report. I listened to it um, last night, and I thought those guys did a great job of summarizing the whole season. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure really how much I can add to what they said that won't be repeating what they said. But, I mean, overall it was just really frustrating and it was rough and it was brutal and it was one of those years where there were so many times where you threw your hands up and you were like, I can't believe this is happening with all the injuries. So, um, I mean, it's, it was definitely the toughest year that we've gone through in quite some time. And if you factor in the expectations with what actually happened, it may have been the toughest year that I've had since I've been here. Now there there have been years where we've had a, the teams had a worse record, or things uh, have been been tougher in terms of results on the court. As hard as that might be to believe, but I think a lot of those recent years where the team really struggled were years where you went into the season, and unless you were the biggest optimist in the world, you weren't expecting them to, you know, maybe make the playoffs or end up with a good record. So in some ways that was easier to take and easier to accept. Like for example the the lockout year of 11-12 where i think they finished 21 and 45. You went into that season with a little enthusiasm and not really knowing exactly what was going to happen, but it wasn't that shocking that they had the record that they did to use one example. So i think that was the, the the really the the most tough part to accept about this season was just that you went in with such high hopes and and ended up with Thirty and fifty-two, and and so many guys. I think it was what 11, ten or eleven guys were listed as out on the injury report last night. So that was unbelievable. It just kind of I thought last night kind of just summarized the whole way the season went. That you end up in the last game of the season and you ha- only have seven guys, which is absurd. I'd never seen that before. Three hundred and fifty-one so. total games missed, and according to Justin Verrier from
1: ESPN.com, it was the most by any teams in the past decade. Wow, which is pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, and and even you know you you. you that even that number doesn't even t- to me doesn't even completely tell the story or give the full picture because there's been there've been teams that have missed a bunch of guys but i can't remember a team where it was all of the like all of the top 6 scores were all out yeah. i mean usually you kind of go through go down the roster and it's a mix of you know two or three of your key guys maybe a guy or two off the end of your bench maybe a role player here and there but in this case it was all of the guys that were you thought were the most important to the team even a guy who didn't – I don't know if Quincy's total counts in that injury, games missed, but, I mean, he was he, a crucial part of what the team right. did last year. He didn't play a single game. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was just stuff that you never have seen before and hopefully we'll never have to see this again. Granted, I think the Memphis Grizzlies
1: were kind of in the same boat as far as they went through 28 guys this year. Maybe not as many games missed, but they mm-hmm. went through 28 guys. They're in the playoffs. I know they're d- apples and oranges trying to compare both sure. teams. But besides the injuries, I think still more went wrong for the Pelicans. Can you kind of sure. describe maybe what those things are as far as besides the injuries,
3: what didn't go right for New Orleans? I mean, we could be here for a while breaking down some of the things that need to improve. And but I mean, I think to get to the, right to the point, I mean, uh, it was clear from the early part of the season that the defense wasn't good enough, and that's an area where they need to get a lot better at to be, you know, to get to where they want to be. I mean, I think. I'm not sure what they finished, I haven't looked it up yet. Um in defensive efficiency, but I th- I'm pretty sure this is 4 years in a row where they've been in the bottom 10 or or maybe even a little worse than that bottom 5. So, um that's that's to me priority number 1 next year that they have to get better at. Um offensively, they were I think they were mostly middle of the pack for most of the season, maybe a little bit above average, but I thought that they got they have again I use the word efficiency. They have to improve that. Um, if you look at, for example, field goal percentages, AD shot 48, 49, I think it was, um, which is great, which is fine, especially a guy that touches the ball that much. That's good. But I think the other key scores, again, we're, we're talking low 40s, and I think that's one area where they need to either – those guys either need to improve or they need to bring in guys that are going to be more efficient. Um, I think you can't have – you can't have so many of your key guys fluctuate from game to game so much where, you know, one night they they score well, do it in a reasonable number of shots. Next game they're three for 14 or whatever it is. Um, I feel like that happened a lot, and, and that's why when you look at the end-of-season numbers, you see a lot of guys that had low percentages and were some of them were pretty high volume but didn't shoot a, a great percentage. And I think when you add that all up together, you end up with – um results that aren't what you want them to be and even though some a lot of times people try to separate uh defense and offense like the way it is in baseball where you're either hitting or you're pitching at the same Mm -hmm. time I do think that the the offense some of the bad shots that guys took and some of the low percentage stuff that happened affected the defense and made it harder to be effective at the other end so I mean I think in some ways those things are tied together but um, those are the two things uh, you know that I think stand out the most to me that they need to get better in next year.
1: That makes sense. Let's talk about some positives because I thought there were, especially at the end of the season here, when you have a few of these D-League guys, Jordan Hamilton, James Ennis, Tim Fraser, all had some shining moments for the Pelicans. You saw kind of, in my opinion, how Alvin Gentry wanted this offense to run from the get-go. And if mm-hmm. you get those pieces next year that kind of fit what the Pelicans are looking for, I mean, this team – the way the offense kind of ran at the end should be pretty impressive.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, we I think we talked about this last week that it's unfortunate that it wasn't a bigger sample of games, but at the same time, I think we saw enough to be able to say that hey, th- it worked when when guys shared the ball and and they played the way that they were supposed to. Um, I mean, some of the guys. It was one of the things I pointed out a few times on Twitter or in what I wrote was the guys that were here at the end of the season actually did a better job in terms of being efficient than than some of the guys earlier in the season did it's like some of the key players um i don't know how how much the, the guys yesterday talked about this on on black and blue report that i'm not sure you you have to put some stock into it what they did at the end of the season I'm not sure it's unclear how much you can right. put totally into it but at the same time i mean i, I mean Jim, uh, tim fraser was was great. I think he ended up shooting high forties. James Ennis almost shot fifty percent on threes, right? Which I, I think it was maybe nine or ten games that he played. Um, those two guys just did did a lot of good stuff. And even though it wasn't you know 50, 60, 70 games, they it, it was amazing to me that when you're you're so far down the list in terms of on paper where you are on the roster with guys that you pulled out of the D league, the the results that they got at the end of the season I thought was really impressive.
1: Now there's something to look forward to in the summer. As far as one, you're going to have draft picks now, first and second round, which would be good. Plus, the summer league team, if you're bringing back the Frasers, the James mm-hmm. Ennis, plus these draft picks, there's going to be something to look out for in Las Vegas in July.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think this could be the, the summer league that I look forward to the most. I've been going there for quite a while now. And, I mean, the year that, that New Orleans drafted Anthony Davis and Austin Rivers was one that we really looked forward to. AD ended up getting um, called up or whatever the, the word you want to use to the Olympic team last minute. So he didn't play summer league that year. But um, so, I mean, this this group, though, having maybe the sixth pick in the draft or maybe higher than that, definitely a lottery pick, obviously, having the, the two guys that you mentioned maybe on the summer league team as well as Bryce, Dejon Jones. I mean, it could be a really compelling summer league team to watch, which I look forward to. Last year's team was fun to watch because – they it seemed like they immediately adapted to Alvin Gentry's system they right. ran the ball they pushed it a lot and it was it was really interesting unfortunately Bryce was really the only guy that that ended up being on a part of the team so right. ultimately it didn't really yield a lot but other than Bryce which I who I think is important but um I think this year could be something where it 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 um, kind of carries over a lot more to the following season than than we've seen in quite some time.
1: No doubt about that. All right, so good stuff with the Pelicans, and of course more from Jim here on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app throughout um, the off season. But I do want to talk about the NBA a little bit, since we're only going to have you for a few more times on the Black and Blue Report. Last night, a big night around the NBA. Not only one, maybe the third or fourth, was the Celtics coming back from 22 down. Mm only allowing five points to Miami in third quarter, beating them, and end up keeping the same seed as if they would have lost. Then you have the Warriors, 73, and Kobe with 60 points. I'll get to Kobe in a second, but, Jim, let's say we didn't have a game last night. You could choose... That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> Under the circumstances, but yeah. To either watch or attend, if you could choose one of the two, the Warriors, 73 mm-hmm. wins, or Kobe's last game ever, which one would you have chosen?
3: You know it was funny? because before, Let's say before you
1: would have known Kobe
3: would have had right. 60. Right. That's exactly what I was going to kind of uh, uh, refer to was before those games were played, I was adamant that the Golden State one was the game that I would rather go to because I feel like a lot of times we never really remember the last regular season game that any superstar player has played. I mean, I bet you if you went to the average fan or even somebody who's really into the NBA and picked out one of the top 50 players of all time or 20 even and said, hey, what did he do in his last regular season game? You'd be like... Uh, I have no idea. I don't remember. It's just not something that really ever stands the test of time. Mm -hmm. So I said I said Warriors. I said I'd rather watch Warriors because I felt like them getting 73 is going to be something that people remember for a long time. And let's be honest, I mean, the chances of that record being broken, it was amazing to see the Bulls 72 get broken by someone because I didn't think that was going to happen. And even as of a week or two ago, when the Warriors lost something like two out of three, I was like, oh, boy. It, it, this, it's one of those things where you can't lose two or three games in a mm-hmm. row or all of a sudden your margin is so small. But so, I mean, that's, that was basically the way I leaned was I was leaning towards Warriors, but the, the part that I didn't, didn't say was in tweets or whatever was, wait, but if Kobe ends up getting having a huge, massive game, then, you know, of course I would change that opinion a little bit because when I say no one remembers a great player's last game, that doesn't apply here. Right. Obviously he had 60 points yeah, and it was like beyond like to me, if he had 40 people would have been yeah. saying, Oh, it was amazing. Best game he had all season was his very last game. That's great. That's incredible. But for him to have 60, it kind of just puts it in a different echelon, a different category. So I kind of take back some of what I said yeah. about, about the Warriors being the, the game. I mean, I still would have would have liked to watch the Warriors. We couldn't because we are flying back from Minnesota, right. but, um, but uh, yeah, to see, to hear, I didn't see it at all, but to hear after the fact of what he did, I mean, it's just incredible and, and definitely changed my perspective a little bit on which game I wanted to watch.
1: Yeah, I agree with you in there um, a little bit. I still think the Warriors one was more fascinating to see than me. And one, I think a lot of it, too, with Kobe is with the other guys retiring, you probably didn't know that they were retiring until after the season, so you True. might not have known that it was Michael Jordan's last game. Or True. I'm not—I sh- don't remember Allen Iverson's, all those guys. Right, right, um, exactly. But that's another thing. One, uh, Kobe's last visit here to New Orleans was a few weeks ago or a few days ago. Man, it's been season. <laughs> you can catch the Pelicans at a cool little 360, I guess, turnaround mm-hmm. panoramic view right. of Kobe coming out. So make sure you check that out on Facebook.com. Um, and also Pelicans.com everywhere. It's a pretty cool thing. Just a little plug there. It certainly is, yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Kobe for a second here because, one, I think it caught my eye that 50 shots last night. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and, two, does it make you angry? Only from this standpoint as a Pelicans fan, and I only realized this that Will McLaren, our PR guy, brought it up, that now Kobe has the most points scored in the game this season not Anthony Davis at 59. That's
3: funny. A couple people actually, I saw this on a couple people sent stuff to either to me or at me on Twitter with things that I had said from when he had the 59-point game. I tweeted something like, "Most points anyone scored this season." So of yeah. course, last night at like 1 a.m. or whatever it was, there were a few people that sent me that tweet saying like "LOL" or whatever. And um, because it, I mean, honestly, that thought didn't even occur to me until a few people Neither mentioned it that, oh, by the way, that Kobe ended up being the guy that scored the most points this season. So. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I know he did it in 50 shots, and how many did AD take? 20 something or 30, maybe yeah. low 30s, I want to say. So it was a little different.
1: Does that hurt it a little bit as far as the 60 that he t- one he shot 22 of 50, which is still 44 percent, not sure. bad. But the way you can just tell they kept like, feeding him and feeding him. And I get it, you want to put on a show with Kobe, but did it
3: any way to tur? You know what he did? I need to defer to you and other people who – because I saw a few highlights. I haven't had time to really see, like, a good breakdown I of what kind that. of shots he took. Did he take terrible shots? Did he take – was he, like, triple teamed with I'm a the lot same of the shots that he you. took? From what I heard, though, it was yeah. a
1: lot of Kobe jacking up a lot of yeah. shots, and they are literally just – Kobe said at game, he goes, you know, for 20 years people are saying I need to pass the ball a lot more, and now in the last game they're telling me don't pass the ball. Right, right. I'm sure some of them were good shots. I didn't see all of them because I was like you. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to turn it off basketball for a little bit and go to sleep. Yeah. But I think some of the shots were just ridiculous, which I get. Again, I get. But I didn't know from an NBA fan's perspective if some people were like, all right, 50 shots, Mm -hmm. come on. But it's entertainment also. I think people wanted to see a show from Kobe in his last game. It probably would have been better than him going two for seven and only
3: playing 15 minutes and something like that. I think – I think over time, people will, as time goes on, people will forget more and more every year that he took 50 shots, and they'll remember more that he had 60. Right. But I would say points, but I would say short-term that, I mean, it does take a little bit of the luster off of it because he, I mean, that's, someone, didn't someone, I thought someone said that was the most shots ever taken in a game in NBA history. Or at least since they've been tracking yeah, field goal Yeah, I think also heard,
1: like, last 50 years. So yeah. I, yeah.
3: Someone said since 1984, which I think that might have been, like, when Basketball Reference starts tra- right. its tracking of attempts or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But either way, it's one of the games in NBA history where someone took the most shots ever. I don't think when Will Chamberlain took scored 100 points did he even take 50 shots in, in that game. Probably not. So so it's kind of funny, funny how, uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly a uh, – a masterpiece of efficiency, I keep using that word. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it t- it probably does take a little bit of, of um, shine off of it, but, you know, I, I, as time goes on, I don't think anyone's yeah. going to remember that he took 50 shots. I'm
1: sure people are going to be like, Daniel, stop being so cynical. Enjoy that it was Kobe's last game yeah. or whatever and just get over it. Yeah, and I'm not mad about it. I was just like, 50 shots? That's a lot of
3: shots. Right. So, it's, it's a lot of shots, it's for a lot of sure. Shots. All yeah. right,
1: before I let you go here, the NBA playoffs start on Saturday. We kind of got the first-round schedule already. It was kind of chaotic last night because I was – Tracking the scores and all that for Pelicans at the half and Pelicans OT. And the East three through six was kind of nuts, even though yeah. Miami uh, blew a lead over to Celtics. Kind of everything stayed pretty much the same. The Hawks had a chance to jump to the three, but they lose to a Wizards team that was resting a bunch of guys. In the West, the Rockets got in. Um, I think in this first round, though, Jim, in just in my opinion, I want to hear yours, that I'm more excited about the Eastern Conference for first sure. round matchups and maybe more Western Conference once the second round starts when you could see. One through four, Golden State, San Antonio, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, and the Clippers play each other. But then the East, though, Atlanta, Boston's a really good matchup. Mm-hmm. Even Cleveland, Detroit at one through eight could be pretty interesting. Charlotte, Miami, yep. and then you have Toronto, Indiana. I just think those, it's going to be a pretty exciting first round, but I think I'm more excited for the East.
3: It's funny how it's flipped because I remember yeah. a few years ago, um, people were always saying, I don't even bother, like people that work here or whatever, people are saying, I don't even bother to watch the East first round because it's, it's, it's painful to watch, and it's one-sided, and there's only two or three teams that are really mm-hmm. good, and everybody else is, is kind of struggling. Especially when you had so many teams from the East in the recent past that had losing records that still made the playoffs, right. which never happens in the West. And even this year, I think the eight seed finished 500, maybe or right right above 500. In the West? Yeah, in the West. Yeah, you used 41, to 41, 41, 41. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. It d- it definitely does show some of the the change that's happened in the. Competitiveness. I know that was a big story that everyone talked about all season this year was that the East has gotten better. And, I mean, I guess you could say um, I think the top of the West is still better than the East because you have probably the two best teams in the league are mm-hmm. Golden State and San Antonio. But there has been a change in the depth of the West. I think you've there's been many seasons recently where there's been six or seven legit really good teams in the West where this year um, – there's it's a pretty big drop off after four, even though I think Portland and the Clippers will be a good series because right. Portland might be dangerous with the with the two guards they have. So, but yeah, it's I agree 100%. I'm looking forward to the first round in the East a lot more than than the West. I think there's also more good stories in the East. I think in terms of, you know, the Hornets made the playoffs this year. You know, the they came out came a little bit came out of nowhere. Didn't mm-hmm. think they were would, would be that good this year. I don't think anyone really did. So. Yeah, and, and is Cleveland vulnerable? I think that's a story that everyone's been talking about, especially for the last couple months. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the East and a lot of reasons to watch. Whereas the West, there's probably two or three series that honestly, I don't I'm not really that excited Spurs, to watch. Spurs Mavericks doesn't right. move the needle.
1: I don't think Golden State Houston is not going to move the needle that much because I think right. it's not going to go that well.
3: You mean Spurs Grizzlies? Spurs Grizzlies, yeah. yeah. But Mavericks Thunder. Mavericks Thunder, I don't yeah. think
1: really so. Basically, the Blazers-Clippers will be the most intriguing one. Yeah. But then the second round, even the East, now the fact that the Heat got the three seed, now it's a chance to see Miami potentially against Cleveland in a Eastern Conference Finals matchup right. instead of a second-round matchup. So right. I think you get the best of both worlds if Miami advances that far. Hell, even Cleveland, you just never know with a right. playoff. So, nonetheless, Saturday should be a lot of fun and games start around noon o'clock. For sure. Noon. Not noon o'clock. I need some sleep. <laughs>
3: yeah, we, you can tell it's been a long season.
1: It has been. And Jim's been there every step of the way on Pelicans.com, Pelicans Mobile App, and of course here on the Black and Blue Report. Jim, we'll have one more visit with you next week. We'll talk a little bit more about the playoffs and maybe what fans can look ahead to for the Pelicans so far in the off season. But
3: until then, enjoy the playoffs, my friend. Enjoy a little bit of time just to kind of... Take a deep breath. We're here. I'll try to do that. I'm looking forward to having, even this weekend, having two days off in a row. That doesn't happen very often. As you know, because both of us do every single game, work every single game. I mean, there's not many opportunities during the season where we don't play every other day or Mm back-to-backs or blah, blah, blah. So to get um, a full weekend off is definitely something really I'm looking forward to, and I'm hoping that... I don't just sleep the whole weekend because yeah. I'm so tired. I hope to actually get something out of it. So, Fans, tell us what we need to do. What, do, what are weekends
1: like? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. It's been since October that I've had a weekend. So let me know what it's like, what, what normal people do on a Saturday and Sunday, Friday night. Let me know.
3: You know what's funny is on, on a similar line along the similar lines, like, you know, a lot of our friends work here. So we have so many friends that ha- have the sa- similar schedule, maybe not exactly yeah. the same night, maybe not as – as tough as ours. But I do feel like there's some element to doing this job or doing the schedule where you're busy for seven months and you'll never have weekends off. And people that you're friends with that don't work here, that don't work in sports Mm -hmm. are always asking to do stuff. And you're always like, no, I can't do this because I have a game. And it's funny when the season ends, I feel so bad sometimes because it's like, Hey guys, I'm back. Hey, does anyone want to hang out with me? They're like, Hey, we've been doing stuff for seven months without you. You jerk. Now you want to hang out with us. So it's, it's funny, but I I guess I'll have to just uh, to to get through that, and hopefully people always understand. <laughs> yeah, pe- hopefully people understand that you know, unfortunately yeah. the the job takes precedence over pretty much everything else during from like you know you, like you said October to uh, April.
1: I think also people that we work with also since they only work home games to forget about road games. We're like oh yeah, let's do something. Right, like, we have a road game tonight. Oh,
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how many times people have said like, hey, are you gonna be you going to be over at this place? How oh, this is going yeah. on, blah, blah, blah. And like, uh, no, I'm going to be in Minnesota yeah. or I'm going to be in Houston or whatever. So, but, but you know there. what, but you know what, it, at the same time I hate to even complain about that because the, the opportunities that we get and the stuff that we get to do is, yeah. is incredible and amazing and something that you'll think about probably someday when we, when we uh, retire eventually, that was really cool to be able to get to do the stuff that we do. Yep. Really uh,
1: good stuff there, Jim. Appreciate all the stuff that you've done for us this season And uh, thanks to all the fans, of course, for all the interaction we've had, all the support with the Black and Blue Report as well. We're not going anywhere, though. We are going to take a break. Um, When I got in this morning, I thought maybe I'd have a somewhat easy morning, but then the NFL news broke out about a trade with the Tennessee Titans at number one pick, and, of course, we start our NFL draft preview today with the Titans at number one, but they're not number one. Nonetheless, we'll talk to Jim Wyatt from titansonline.com to talk about the trade in our draft preview that starts next on the Black and Blue Report.
4: Healthcare with peace of mind.
2: Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bag, here today, here when you need us. Here to build a future with you.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
1: Welcome back to the show. Our NFL Draft Preview starts today with pick number one, the Tennessee Titans. And uh, what a great place to start, especially with the trade going down this morning. And joining me now to talk about it is Jim Wyatt, senior writer slash editor for TitansOnline.com. Jim, uh, what a start to the morning, huh? Thanks for joining us.
5: Yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's been an uh, interesting morning already. Certainly, Titans made some big news to- morning
1: all right let's go over the trade real quick rams get the first pick overall and fourth and sixth round pick in this year's draft titans get a lot they get the 15th overall pick this year two second round picks a third round pick this year and a first and a third in 2017 what were your initial thoughts on the move
5: well i mean titans are a huge haul i mean and now sitting in a great position six picks in the top 76 it's factor in the picks they already had it's now got 15 33 43 45 64 76 uh, in this draft and, and certainly a team that has plenty of holes to fill. So, uh, I think it's a, it was a very strong move by the team's new general manager, John Robinson, sets them up well for next year as well when they get the Rams first round pick and third round pick and, uh, you know, in a position to have a lot of early picks next year as well. And, and for a team that's, that's, that's building around a young quarterback and a team that's trying to reshape the roster with a new general manager, have a ton of ammunition right now.
1: Did you suspect that a trade might go down, not just right now, but maybe on trade day, that someone might uh, throw enough Titans' way to maybe move that number one pick?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it was always in play. And, and certainly, you know, it's nice to be in that number one spot and nice to be able to work other teams and nice to be able to sit back and look at your options. I, I felt like it was a possibility all along. I know John Robinson had made it very clear from the very beginning that he was open to trading this pick and uh, it was going to take the right you know, offer to make it happen. And here we are two weeks for the draft. We got the right offer. Deal's done.
1: All right, so now the Titans have the 15th pick in this year's draft. What position do you think they look at here? There's probably a lot of options on the table, but where do you think the Titans might go as far as position-wise with the 15th pick?
5: Well, I mean, it depends on, obviously, 1 through 14. Right. And, and I don't think you can rule out, you know, because of the ammunition they now have moving up. I mean, uh, you know, just yesterday, sitting at number one, you had your option of any player. Now you're kind of at the mercy of some teams ahead of you. But, uh, you know, this team's done a heck of a lot of homework on a heck of a lot of prospects. Again, a lot of picks to work with. So if there's somebody they feel like they really want want you can strike and make another move, uh, you know, with, with some of these picks that have been acquired. So a pretty good spot uh, for the Titans and, you know, needs help in a lot of positions, obviously, obviously offensive line, wide receiver, uh, helping the secondary, but a lot of picks to, to make some stuff happen.
1: Do you feel like offense or defense will be the priority? Which one? Or do you think both of them have enough holes to fill that they could go either way at any of the picks?
5: Yeah, I think both of them. I think if you're talking value and, and uh, you know, depending on when that pick's made, you know, if it, could be fifteen, it could be sooner uh just don't know how things are going to play out and who's going to be lingering you, you always have players that end up staying on the board longer than than you think, and uh you know it could be a position where if somebody starts to drop tight and not have a chance to move up and get them and uh so I guess it kind of again depends on on who the picks in front of them, but uh you know definitely holes on both sides of the football can't guarantee which side of the ball will be addressed first, but now Titans have a great, you know, in a great position to address well, all we were, positions.
1: Well, we were supposed to address the number one pick today, starting our draft preview. I guess now the Titans at number 15, but a nice perspective on the trade from Jim Wyatt, senior writer and editor for Titans Jim, I know you have a busy morning, so I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
5: Okay. Appreciate it.
1: All right. We'll wrap things up next on the black and blue. Sports.
4: Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people, Entergy.
2: How much do you wanna lose this year?
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.
1: All right, great Thursday show. Big thanks to Jim Eichenhofer and Jim Wyatt for coming on. Jim was last second. Jim Wyatt, I should say, because of the trade breaking out, so I'm glad we got him for a couple minutes taking some time out of his day to talk to us. We continue our NFL draft preview tomorrow. We'll stop by the Cleveland Browns. Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the team, uh, will join us, and also Annie Halbron will give... Uh, her take on the Chargers at pick number three. And we'll also recap the schedule for the New Orleans Saints as the schedule again gets released at seven o'clock central tonight. Be sure to check out neworleanssaints.com, the mobile app for everything about this year's schedule. Also seven o'clock tonight, the Alvin Gentry show. It's the final one of the season. Sean Kelly's most extensive visit with the head coach seven o'clock on 99.5 WRNO. It'll be the last one of the season. So plenty more to come. Also we'll have more details tomorrow on the Will Smith visitation that will be taking place here at the New Orleans Saints facility, kind of the logistics um, and what can we expect from that. So we'll hear more about that on tomorrow's show. So a busy show tomorrow and then about two weeks to go until we're on our little hiatus. But we really appreciate all the support as far as the Pelicans this season from everyone and all the guests on the Black and Blue Report. We'll still talk playoffs here for the next couple weeks, but big thanks to everyone involved and all you the fans for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans the black and blue report all right until tomorrow i'm daniel Sallerson. have a great rest of your day
0: thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report if all goes well we'll be back tomorrow tune in each weekday at 12 p.m or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com follow your teams direct from the source the black and blue report